0: Greetings, everyone. I'm excited to welcome Alan Nagel, founder and CEO at KYP to the show today. Alan, welcome.
1: Thanks, Ben. It's pleased to meet you. I'm looking forward to talking about SaaS founders and SaaS businesses, and I hope we can answer a few questions today to help out your listeners.
0: Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, all about SaaS today. So. Let's start this off. Tell us a little bit about your background.
1: So, I originally came from Dublin and I got involved in stopping online fraud with the likes of Google, PayPal, and Riot Games. So, spent 20, 25 years doing that and moved to London to help out a startup called Carhu that worked in the taxi business. I was the global head of fraud in that business. And after we raised 65 million and it got burned through in about 18 months and went insolvent, I started looking for my next opportunity. So being a back office all my life, I thought maybe I should try some front office stuff. And I met the CEO of a SaaS business called Cybertonica, where they were looking for a chief commercial officer to help sell their AI machine learning SaaS business. I took that job on for about four years, trying to sell AI machine learning to a market that was pretty much flooded. But I I definitely uh, grew my understanding of SaaS businesses what they do, how to sell them, how to reach the market, and how to raise capital in order to, to fund the growth of the business. Unfortunately, that particular business wasn't doing too well, and I moved on to start my own startup, but the reason why it wasn't is because the time I machine learning transaction monitoring, we entered the market, it was a bit too late in the curve, and the market was already flooded with our competitors. <clears throat>
0: Yeah, interesting background in, in fraud and then startups and burning through cash. Uh, you know, So great experience there. So yeah, tell us a little bit about what KYP does and what, what does KYP stand for?
1: Yeah, uh, KYP stands for know your partner, know your provider. So about last year or two years ago, I was asked to consult with a business in open banking and looking at open banking risk and fraud and to see if there's any solutions in the market for understanding third party provider risk. And as you probably know, banks cannot shut down third party providers in an open banking environment, unless there's a risk of fraud. So I looked in the market, I realized there was no solution taking that was in position to stop TPP fraud, third party provider fraud. And I said to the company that I was consulting with, I should create a SaaS business to plug up the gap in the market. Uh, Fortunately, they agreed, they gave me a letter of intent and I was on my way the reason why there's no current solution in the market is because when an open banking transaction takes place all you get is a company name and company number now everybody knows with traditional transaction monitoring you're usually looking at AI, ip cookies email address business etc 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 but in the open banking environment all you get is company name and company number so I thought to myself how can we stop fraud at this level with company name and company number And the solution was quite obvious to me. We could go out to third party suppliers and start looking at PEPS, sanctions, adverse media, dark web, cyber risk and credit risk, using the company name and the company number and then creating a holistic scoring platform in real time that looks after TPP risk. Mm -hmm. And banks cannot shut down a TPP, unless they know know there's a risk of fraud. So this is an obvious solution. And we built the platform over the last year and we've launched a couple of POCs. and um, we're working with a couple of tier one providers.
0: And tell us who are your customers then? Are your customers banks then?
1: Yeah. Well, banks, originally it was our, the business was targeted at banks and understanding TPPs, but we also found that merchant acquirers and PSPs have similar challenges, particularly around when they onboard merchants. It's a snapshot snapshot in time where they onboard a merchant, and a year later, they'll do a periodic uh, review. With KYP, we continuously check our APIs, our providers, and create continuous monitoring of their partners. So in essence, instead of one snapshot in time for onboarding, if a business is created, logs on and creates a a PSP merchant portfolio, and then um, the next week gets made insolvent or has some bagged activities or all our customer lists are exposed on the dark web, we send a proactive notification to them acquirers and they can take real-time action on their merchants that are turning bad, for instance, increasing role and reserve or shutting down the, the service providers. So the use case for this platform mm-hmm. is global and it can be fit into anything else. We spoke to some consultants in the airline business. And when you're creating an aircraft, you have a hundred thousand suppliers, cause all the bits of the aircraft have to come together. And how is like Boeing meant to manage all their partners and all our suppliers? So if they pay them like 50 million for an engine and then they go insolvent, how are they meant to know that unless they get a proactive notification before they make that payment? So in the supply chain management, it actually works in that vertical as well. And we have customers across banking, merchant acquiring, supply chain monitoring, and we're in the crypto space. where t a T1 provider doing the POC. Mm-hmm. So interesting.
0: So say like Boeing building an aircraft, you know, hundreds, maybe thousands of suppliers. So you're able to just understand more about all these different suppliers to see if there's risk in their supply chain. If, if there may be, you know, doing something illicit or going to go bankrupt or, or just something that would create risk for Boeing then.
1: Yeah. We were monitoring all the time, 24 seven around all these, all these notifications and it gives the, 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 the understanding for Boeing, for example, the power for action on risk is what we call it, which means that instead of doing periodic reviews of their suppliers, we're continuously checking and monitoring their suppliers. And if anything happens that's untoward or creates more risk, or the the, the supplier's going bankrupt or Mm -hmm. one of their directors has a sanction against them, we immediately send it out to them. They can review the platform and then take action on the merchant to understand where you wanted to continue doing business with them mm-hmm. or not. So it's really powerful for them. And if you look at the banking world, 56% of employees are based in compliance. So the amount of time that's spent doing all these actions over and over again to ensure they're compliant, if you have a proactive system rather than a reactive every two months or every quarter reviewing your merchants, it makes it up a lot more time for uh, banks' employees to get on with mm-hmm. uh, helping people and the other uh, activities within the bank.
0: Yeah, really interesting. So what year did you found KYP?
1: So we found it two years ago in 2021 in February. It took us six months to put together the idea, the, the, we created a UI. We got four letters intent off three, four different verticals initially. And then we went out pitching to VCs and companies trying to raise capital to build the platform
0: yeah really interesting so your process here so founded february 2021 sounds like there was some consulting early on six months to put the idea together ux got some interest so some signed interest through lois and then took that interest that concept the ux and then pitched vcs to then get that funding to go build it
1: yeah so i haven't got a technical background so my background more sales and back office and i understand fraud but i can't actually code it so the the way I got funding was walking into the, the VCs and said, okay, we don't have a, a platform. Here's the UI we're going to create via Airware. And uh, we have four LOIs already, even though we haven't launched a product. And we have a year left to, uh, to build a product. And these are binding LOIs with commercials attached to them. So we can create valuation around the LOIs, the idea, and the team that's working on it. So we were lucky enough to get some backing from 1414 Ventures in the USA, BH Ventures in the US as well, and a lot of small investors under SCOS in the UK. So it really worked out in terms of idea generation. I think the, one of the most important aspects was uh, bootstrapping the investment deck and making sure you had all the, the elements required for a VC to be interested in you. And then I spent a small amount of money on ensuring that the deck was up to a design standard with the likes of Fiverr. So instead of spending thousands and thousands on my deck, I designed it in a skeletal way and got designers on Fiverr to make sure that it was on brand and it looked really professional, which helps.
0: That's great. I love that progression. That's some great insight. And you should have hit me up. I've got a SAS pitch deck template that's got a beautiful design. But anyway, so where are you guys located?
1: So we're located in London. Uh, Our team is basically here, but we have an outsourced team all over Romania and Ukraine. We have six people here and seven people that are contractors. London is the hub of tech at the moment. It's second to Silicon Valley. I think there was 11.3 billion invested in London last year, which doubles Paris and doubles Berlin last year. So there's a lot of growth in London. There's a lot of tech startups and the community is excellent for people helping each other. So it's a great place to be.
0: That's great. Great to hear. So you said team size currently, was it six or seven
1: employees? Six and seven employees, but um, six external contractors.
0: Okay. All right. So team size of seven with six contractors. And then anything you want to share around the ARR range of your company or size of your company?
1: Well, we have a two to three POC is kicking off at the moment. Uh, If they turn fully commercial, we're looking at 500 to a million ARR by the end of the year which will put us up at 20 million valuation if it's 20X, but two of these are tier, tier one clients. So it will be amazing if they convert. And we have about five or six SMEs that want to kick off. And if they all go well and we get great feedback from the product, it's, a, it's about turning the, 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 the business from a technical team into a pure sales team. So the plan is to harvest our investors and advisors for close contacts so we have warm open doors. And then create a repeatable sales model, which is pretty difficult with SaaS and making sure we're hitting as many doors as possible and bumping up our ARR as quickly as possible through repeatable sales techniques.
0: Yeah, I've got to love the repeatable go-to-market motion. So that's a great segue into our next question. So tell us, what is your go-to-market motion? It sounds like using investors, advisors and their network to, to introduce some warm prospects. And then how are you doing this cold calling, outbound emails, how are you finding your prospects?
1: Well, because we have a lot of advisors and investors, 1414 have been brilliant. They've opened doors to all of their connections in Bank of America and Visa and Wells Fargo. So we're actually in, in talks with all these companies and it's true the networking that we have. The plan is to exhaust all our advisors, all our investors and get three warm leads off each one of them. And if we can close like 30% of them and we have lots of advisors and networks, then you're already at an ARR of two, three million which will increase the value and everybody everybody eats then. That's the initial plan. So get the low hanging fruit, and then uh, attack it from the repeatable sales model. So initially the sales will be founder-led, me and Jack Mokai, my COO. And then we're going to move on to a repeatable sales model, which means that we're going to use HubSpot. We're going to use automation, outreach emails, any AOE machine learning that we can use to outreach. And then we're speaking to some sales platforms that surround companies. So you decide your target demographic and then you surround them with noise about how great KYP is so we can open doors and actually sit down. But these the cold outreach is much more difficult than the warm outreach. So uh, we're going to exhaust them first and see where we are by the end of the mm-hmm.
0: year. Well, I love it. You've, it sounds like you've got your 2023 plan ready to execute already. So I love that. So how much capital have you raised to date?
1: Well, in, publicly we've raised the 800K, but we've just done a bridge round to, keep us ticking over until larger revenues come through. So we raised 1.35 million to date. And we plan on raising probably Q three this year at a much higher valuation at Series A.
0: Okay. So Q three, Series A potentially. And then with that bridge round, where did that get you? Did you, did you have a cash runway target? Did you working with your investors to say we need 24 months? How did you think about you know that cash runway?
1: Well, again due to our sales pipeline and already pre-agreed contracts it was just getting us to uh, to we start earning some de- decent revenue and we try to not to dilute all the shareholders as much as possible and because our vcs and have given us backing we should be in a stronger position uh, around july uh, and august once a product is fully going to market we get tests and feedback we should have enough runway to last us 24 months especially mm-hmm. with the, the contracts we have in place but it's really about just t- tipping over until we make it to a series A level.
0: Okay. And then raising 1.35 to date, 800K pounds that first pre-seed round, what was the trigger for the, say the pre-seed round? Was that, it sounded like two, you pitched the VCs and then it's time to start building the product. Was that the focus of that round?
1: Yeah, we pitched the VCs and we said, we have customers, we need a product and this is how much it's gonna cost to. So we we costed forecasted the cost of the build. Obviously, we budgeted much higher than we thought we'd spend, and it ended up being the higher amount rather than the lower amount. So tech can eat away resources and money quite quickly, quickly, especially in a startup. And uh, So when we got to this point, it's, we have a few forecasts. We have forecasts of no revenue. We have forecasts of medium-level revenue, and we have forecasts of if we knock it out of the park, we'll, uh, this is where we're going to be. So we tried to pitch the, the, the VCs with the follow-up bridge around saying that if we hit the middle of the road here, this is where we're going to be. If we if we fail completely, we're going to be running our money in nine to 12 months. So that's the kind of way we looked at it. So we gave them all versions. So if we fail, then we need to show them the version of failing. And if you really succeed, they will always up and they're really impressed with uh, what we're doing.
0: That's great. Of course, as a CFO, I love you know, forecasting, so important and good lessons there, kind of that worst case scenario, no revenue, then the medium case, and then a the best case. So you can see, you know, so you can triangulate where you might perform over the next X number of months. And what any lessons learned in the, in the pre seed round or that bridge round in your fundraising efforts?
1: I think the main thing i've learned in fundraising is really getting close to your investors understanding uh, their value proposition what they want to achieve and constantly communicating with them to tell you tell them where you are where the product is where the team is so with a constant communication you build a lot of trust so when i went back to them and asked them for a bridge round the cash books were already open because they knew what was going on with the business we were constantly working together the product was being developed the team was growing sit down one-on-one every month or so, and make sure you give them daily, weekly, as many updates as you can to make sure that they're going along the journey with you. And um, in previous businesses, shareholders are updated once a year, which when you ask for money once a year, then it's not congruent towards back in the business. But when you're working with them day by day, there's a lot of trust built.
0: Yeah, wow, well, great experience there. So just your constant communication, just doing a great job keeping them updated. So when you said we need a little bit more cash runway, they knew exactly where you stood and didn't yeah. have to then maybe create another pitch deck and sit down and then explain what's going on. But they knew. So that's, I love that. So Alan, really appreciate your time today as we wrap up. What's next for the company?
1: Well, I love this space because a lot of comp- a lot of companies are in trouble in terms of the continuous monitoring and the FCA are really regulating around how many times a year do you have to check in your partners? And I'm really excited because KYP are in the position where we can continuously monitor businesses and create power for action on risk. Which means that instead of just providing data, we're providing insights on the data, so compliance people can make decisions about businesses. The main aim is to to solve problems with our, our clients, build a world class product, and hopefully take it to the to the sun and have a lot of fun while doing it. Ben.
0: That's great. Love that. So. If our listeners would like to learn more, where should we send them online?
1: Well, uh, you can always reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, There's inquiries at kyp.io. And we have the website, kyp.io. We can reach out. You can look at our platform and you can see all the services we provide. And if if any startup founders want to chat or need some advice or guidance around raising funds or any help, I've already helped one other founder raise about 100K in the last three or six months. And uh, she's doing amazing.
0: That's great. So check them out at kyp.io or inquiries at kyp.io. And then reach out to Alan, SAS Founders. So if you're looking for a little advice, maybe want to learn more about the London tech scene, hit Alan up. So Alan, really appreciate you sharing your story today.
1: Yeah, Ben, it's amazing.